0: Amen. Thank you, Father. Amen. Where's my helper? (laughs) Praise God. Amen. I'd like you to turn to the book of Esther tonight, and um, we don't want to keep you out too late, but also um, I believe that um, God's got a word corporately for us, and and, um, and I want to pray for people individually as well, and, uh, and I just believe that God has got us on a journey and I love the name of this conference, Destined to Rule. Amen? Amen? Destined to Rule. So turn with me to Esther, Chapter 1. God bless you. Thank you. We can let you sit down now. Okay, thank you. I love the book of Esther because it's like the... Um, the Cinder, one of the Cinderella books of the Bible, amen? And it's uh, a... I knew when I put that peppermint in my mouth, I shouldn't have... <laughs> Excuse me. Everyone close your eyes. You say, I can't believe she took that out of her mouth and stuck it on the pulpit. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Just do it. I love it. There's a Nike anointing over here. <laughs> but, you know... Um, He is the Prince of Peace. Amen? And it's the good news. It's the great news. And I love the story of Esther because um, it's it's the account of a young woman who was an orphan and a peasant that became a ruling monarch in Persia. And um, and the, the Bible is a collection of stories, accounts and histories of the plans that God has had for people and the people that responded and said, yes, I believe. Yes, I believe. This is a living book. This is a powerful book. And I love the fact that people through history, when, when God encountered their life, they reached out and said, yes, I believe it. I believe I've got a destiny. I believe you're speaking to me. And so tonight, I want to say from the very outset, um, we just want to take authority over any spirit of, dis- of unbelief, any cynicism I know over in our nation. In Australia, you know, there's the, the cynical... A bit of cynicism, you know, the, year right, I'll believe it when I see it, yeah. Ah, oh, I've been to church, I've heard it before, you know. I want to say we need to kick that thing right out, amen? Because this Bible is a collection of stories and accounts of people that heard the call of God, heard the word of God and said, yes, I'll have it for myself. I'll receive it, I'll believe it, that you're speaking to me, God. And so, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over every spirit of unbelief and every, every enemy, every voice. Fear has a voice, unbelief has a voice. Lord, we shut the mouth of unbelief. You said you would silence the avenger, you would silence the enemy. Out of the mouths of babes and children would come a praise, would, become, would come an honour. And so in the name of Jesus, we shut down every unbelieving spirit right now and say, Lord, we believe what we believe we have faith in you tonight. We believe your word. Amen. And so this is an account of, of examples of people that God chose and God used. And, and, uh, and so we see in the book of Esther a young woman. And, and I just want to pick out three key things tonight from the outset that I believe each one of us need to probably um, have a handle on, have in place if we're going to walk in the destiny of God. Because the Bible says for each and every one, God's got a destiny. God has got a plan. But what we will walk in is determined by what's in our heart. It says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the coordinates, the GPS of life. And so up here is the plan of God, is is what God has planned. And my heart and your heart needs to connect and say, yay and amen. Yes, I believe you, God. I'm going to take a hold of it and I'm going to walk in it. Because it's not automatic. The will of God in your life and my life is not automatic. It's not a done deal. It's dependent on our cooperation and now going yes and amen. God, I'm going to believe you. I'm going to trust you and I'm going to let you work in my life to bring it to pass. And so here we see a young woman called Esther who was um, an orphan. The Bible says she didn't have a, a mother or a father and she lived in a time when Um, there was a king called Ahasuerus. And just for the sake of time tonight, this is a a type and a shadow, a symbol. And um, the Old Testament is a shadow of the New Testament. And we can see pictures that God has placed in the Old Testament for us to get an understanding of his love, purpose and plan. And so um, King Ahasuerus was married to a queen called Vashti. And the Bible says that he, he, he threw a big banquet and um, he wanted to display the beauty of his queen, Vashti, and he sent for her. But the Bible says she was having her own ban- banquet. she's doing her own thing and she said, no, I'm not going to come. And so the king was greatly uh, dishonoured by this and his, and his advisers said that this is a very bad example, this is a poor example. And so the decision was made to put Vashti aside ...and to search for a bride. And I want to say it's not okay to do our own thing. Amen? We've come, you know, to, to honour and, uh, and, and follow Christ. Amen? And, um, and so uh, they've searched throughout the kingdom... ...and they gathered together all the young maidens. And the Bible says that uh, one of those young maidens... ...that was gathered in was a young girl called Hadassah. Hadassah is her Hebrew name... And Hadassah means lowly myrtle bush. And a myrtle tree is um, green and white, but its perfume is released when it's crushed. And um, Esther was called Hadassah at the time, and she was told not to um, reveal her her nationality, the background. The Bible says that Esther was orphaned And yet uh, this uncle Mordecai had taken her in to be a father to her. And I want to say, number one, God wants to release the spirit of adoption in the hearts of his women over this weekend. Because what defines you will control you. And Esther had every reason to have a chip on her shoulder. She had every reason to have, a, to have a, an attitude that said, life's not fair, and, and she probably wore hand-me-downs. She probably looked at other families that, that were having fun, and, and she probably looked at others that had a mum and a dad and thought, you know, she could have thought, well, that's not fair, you know. But as her uncle Mordecai adopted her and took her in, she manifested such a sweet spirit, and I want to say God wants to put such a sweet spirit such a spirit of adoption. I have got um, uh, my eldest girl peter p t a um, uh, and i get i 'll get to share a bit of my testimony as time goes by, but I got saved um when, in my early twenties and and I grew up in a family where there was a lot of alcohol, a lot of um fighting, and uh, by the time I was sixteen i was I was smoking dope, experimenting with drugs. By the time I was 18, I was riding a motorbike. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> now, I know you cannot imagine someone as feminine as, <laughs> as me riding a motorbike. Anyway, <laughs> moving right along. <laughs> uh, it used to be a bit hard trying to smoke and ride a motorbike. <laughs> Ashes blowing back in your face. But trying to look cool. I used to have a job working for a stockbroker. I rode my motorbike to work and, and I remember my boss came up to me one day and she said, Faye you know, we certainly don't mind you smoking but do you mind not rolling your own in front of the clients? <laughs> 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 but by the time I was 19 I was expecting a baby. And through with the, uh, the Catholic Agency for Unmarried Mothers I took a live-in job minding children in, in a place called Ipswich about an hour north of Brisbane. Uh, so, my family would not be shamed by my condition. And uh, that uh, that little girl um, changed my life. Because as I lay in bed at night in this family, with this family that I didn't want to be with, in a place I didn't want to be, I had a little life growing inside of me. And I started to consider what life really was all about. It wasn't all about the next party or the next fun thing I was going to do, I had a little life now that was going to be depending on me and so I lay in bed at night eating Jaffa's every night, do you know what a Jaffa is? <laughs> and Jersey caramels. <laughs> Wondering what was going to happen to me and so um, when I was, uh, when, m- when my little daughter was almost three and I had um, gone back to smoking drugs um mainly on my own because life was so empty and and I had this incredible emptiness inside and, you know, people say that there is a God-shaped vacuum inside of every one of us, that no amount of relationships, partying, whatever, nothing will fill that because it was made for God and I can say amen to that. And, and I remember this particular time I was, uh, I used to read prolifically because I was Uh, very lonely, very empty. I remember standing on my front stairs one day, looking out over what felt like a concrete jungle of the suburbs of Brisbane, thinking there's absolutely nobody that I can think of that I relate to or connect with. And uh, uh, so I was chain-smoking and reading, and this particular day, my little girl was having a rest, and I slipped down off the bed, and I got on my knees and I said, God, if you're real, would you please help me? And then I got up again and thought, lucky no one saw that. <laughs> really losing it. How, you know, how uncool was that? Actually praying. But you know, I meant it. And there was this desire to, to somehow, and I didn't but the Bible says this, no man comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. And the Bible says if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Because he says, my spirit won't always strive with man. And, the, and he will yearn and yearn and, and knock on the door of our heart. And I thank God in a way that I, I probably had such a bad dose of the world that I was eager and ready to, to listen. And so what happened was this, this drawing had begun with me actually getting down on my knees and praying. And so the last place I felt any closeness with God was when I used to go to church church. I was a Catholic and if you're a Catholic here tonight, I thank God for the Catholic Church because they helped our family. My mother had quite a problem and um, she had uh, taken a few overdoses when we were young and the nuns had taken us in and so they were very good to us but I had never ever been born again. I'd never found Jesus through the Catholic Church, good though they were to us. But the last place I felt any even closeness with God was in a Catholic Church. So I, I was, knew as a good Catholic, well, I wasn't a good Catholic, but as a Catholic, I would have to go to confession. So I was very sincere. And uh, so that Saturday I went off to confession. And, um, you know, they carried that priest out on a stretcher about two hours later. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had about ten years to catch up on, you know. Like... But I was very sincere. I'm only joking, but anyway, it was like. <laughs> um, but the Bible says, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, God is a God of salvation, and, and uh, I was involved in, in uh, tarot card reading and Ouija and boards, and, and a friend of mine who worked um, at Mount Oz and Mines happened to work with a lady called Norma Ormsby. Anyone know Norma Ormsby? Anyway, she was the lady that headed up the Sunday school years ago in Christian Outreach Centre, and she overheard my friend's, my friend and I, or my friend, talking about the spiritualist church we went to. So to cut a very long story, very, very short, she asked to speak to my friend Pam and I. And because I was such a sanguine, I hated saying no to anyone. And I had uh, actually got my little girl minded. We were going out to lunch and my friend Pam said, oh, there's this religious lady that wants to talk to us. So I said, the disease to please kicked in. Okay, I said, she's got Ten minutes. Ten minutes. And so we went in there and and, uh, this lady began to share about Christ and the danger of what we are involved in and what salvation really was. And I can't really tell you all that she said, but I I know I was looking into the eyes of someone who really cared about me and that shocked me. And I want to say never, ever underestimate the power of just reaching out to someone, of just sharing the love of God. And she gave us a book to read called Between Christ and Satan by Kurt Koch. I've read it since and it's incredibly boring. I don't remember. So she must have been praying because I went home that night and I read the book and I honestly felt the fires of hell licking up around the bed. I knew that if I died that night, I'd go to hell. I had such a conviction that I needed salvation, but I was also concerned about the Pope because... (laughs) As a Catholic, I had to make sure the Pope was kosher about, (laughs) probably couldn't put that together, but with me getting saved. And so they said, look, we've got a guy who understands and was a Catholic priest and we'll talk to you. And anyway, he he said, "Um, yes, come to the home group tonight and you can confess Christ. Well, you say confession to a Catholic? So all afternoon, I sat there going, all memorizing all my sins and thinking, I have to tell this room full of people now all my sins but I so wanted Jesus in my life I so wanted salvation that when I went to the home group with my friend and and the leader of the home group said now these two girls want to confess Christ and I stepped forward I had my lists and lists there and he said now pray this prayer dear Lord Jesus I open up the door of my life and I ask you to come in be my savior be my Lord thank you God amen And I'm waiting for him to say, now tell us your sins. And he said, and they go, yay, they're born again. And I'm going, yay, yay, yippee, woohoo. Because I didn't have to tell them my sins. They probably thought, what an amazing salvation. Can you believe the joy that's hit this young woman? Yay, hallelujah, woo, glory. And so that's how, how I came to know Jesus. The spirit of adoption that's right, I was getting back to Peter, my daughter. <laughs> Sorry. Um, we went to see the play Annie. Anybody remember the movie or the play Annie? Annie's about a young girl that was um, in an orphanage and she was adopted out. Oh, well, she was in this orphanage and um, and she was a, there was a mean lady running the orphanage and then there was a wealthy man called Mr. Hannigan, I know, Mr. Warbucks, that adopted an orphan for a period of time um, to show his benevolence. Anyway, we t- the live play was on at Noosa. And being the grandmother that I am, I fought my way to the front of the line <laughs> to get front row seats for my granddaughters and my daughter. Got the, got the front row seats and there we are. There's myself, there's Lily, the five-year-old, Mia, the three-year-old and Peter, my daughter. And Annie comes on and... Mrs. Hannigan, I'd forgotten how mean Mrs. Hannigan was, and she's stomping about the stage. Lily's sinking down in her seat, the five-year-old. She says, Nana, is she real? I said, yes, darling, but she becomes very good at the end. And for some reason, Santa Claus showed up in the play. (laughs) You know how they they take a lot of licence? Well, we lost Mia then. Santa! Oh, my gosh! It was like muscle, that kid. But the story of Annie... I looked over and my daughter Peter had tears running down her face. Because the story of Annie, Annie, as she gets taken into the home of Daddy Warbucks, and there are all these servants lined up. And they said to Annie, What do you want to do first, Annie? What would you like to do first? And she said, Well, first I'll wash the windows, then I'll scrub the floors. They said, No, 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 you don't understand. Mr. Warbucks is the richest man in New York and all this is for you. And I want to say the spirit of adoption has got to go deep enough in our hearts that we know that it's not performance-based acceptance. It's not an earn and deserve. That Ephesians chapter 1, it says that he has, be, he has blessed you and I with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly presence. It says that, that he planned for you in love before the foundation of the world, that you might be adopted as his own dear children, that he might be able to present you faultless, blameless before the father of life. The spirit of adoption goes, drives deep into the heart of our need to be accepted. You are accepted in the beloved. Tonight, right now, my heart, pumps custard for my kids and my grandkids. Now, they might not be able to feel it. They might not be able to see it, but it doesn't stop the reality that right now my heart is filled with love for them. And whether you can feel it, whether you can touch base with it, it does not in any way detract from the incredible intensity of his yearning love for you and I. Amen? great sense of acceptance and so the bible says that esther knew what it was to be adopted and when she got taken into the um into the uh, house of hagar she got taken into a place called the house of women where lots of young virgins lots of young maidens were there (coughs) and she was there to be prepared number two one of the things if we're ever going to fulfill our destiny we need to know that for each one of us, God will tailor-make a preparation process. (coughs) The Bible says that in that 12 months, she was prepared with the oil of myrrh and the fragrance and the perfume of sweet aromas. The oil of myrrh, myrrh is what you use for embalming. It refers to crucifixion. And I believe that we each have to know that there is a preparational price tag for the destiny God's got ahead for you and I. And for Esther, it was to wait in the house of women. And one of the things that we find hard to do is to wait. And young people, I want to say, better the pain of discipline than the pain of regret. Better to wait for your destiny. Amen? God is not like a driver of a celestial clean away truck that follows us around cleaning up the messes although he loves to help us the Bible says stripes are for the back of fools what does that mean? that means that there's some things we learn through trial and error but if the only way we learn is through trial and error that says we're a fool somewhere along the line God wants to put within us the ability to say no to ourselves say no to our emotions Say no to that that drive that will cause us to grab for our destiny before God's ready to give it to us. And I want to say that preparation for each one of us is not an option. And even though it was 12 months, I believe that she had gone through much conditioning before she got to the house of women. Can I say this? The house of women for you and I today is the house of God. It's the house of God. Lively stones fit together. I want to say this, praise God for Christian television, praise God for videos and CDs, but I want to say the television will never talk back to you. The DVD will never challenge you and you can turn it off anytime you want to. But God put in the house of God God, different personalities and people that will help us grow and mature. Amen? And uh, God wants us to, to mature. And um, I used to say that sometimes you'd have to wear a crash helmet to church because of everybody that's doing a dummy spit. <laughs> Quick, duck, another dummy spit. I actually had a camp where um, the competition was to see who could spit the dummy. Literally, <laughs> a dummy spitting competition. And we can laugh about that. And, you know, it's kind of cute when my three-year-old granddaughter's chucking a spack attack. <laughs> but I want to say when you're 33, it's not a pretty sight. Okay, if you're sucking your thumb and sulking in a corner and you're two or three, it's so cute, isn't it? Huffing and puffing and thinking they're getting away with it. But if you're doing it at 23, 33, you know, God says, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. You know what? That He goes, That makes me sick. <laughs> He's not going to bring babies to come into the church and sit on the lap of toddlers. So the, the, the preparation is, is for us to grow up, amen? And so she had, to, she had to stay in the house of God for 12 months, for that period of time. For some it's 10 years, it might be 20 years. But you know what? One of the names uh, Rebecca in the Bible means tethered. And if you're going to break in a horse, and the Bible says, uh, blessed are the meek, the word Meekness means bridal strength or strength that has been broken in. The meekest horse wins the race. Meekness isn't weakness, it's bridal strength. And so, uh, how they often break in a horse is they tether it, they just tie it to a post. And that little pony will try and pull away and pull away and, and do its own thing and, and all that sort of stuff till finally, finally, it just uh, it relaxes. And I heard the story about a young girl who was given a pony and, 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 and the owner was trying to break it in and he tethered that little pony. And, and the, 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 the young girl, the owner, was so sorry for that pony, she released it and let it go. And what happened was it got, it's got such a mindset of doing its own thing that it could never be ridden. It had to be given away. And I want to say, I've met people who are gifted, anointed and talented. People who could prophesy your are male, but I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole because you couldn't take him out in a team because of the, the, there's areas that are too strong. How do you know when you're too strong for God, when you're too strong for other people? You're always headbutting, always pushing. And that's what preparation's all about. He yokes you and tethers you to things that cause you to go to God and those strong reactions you take to him. Those deep frustrations you take to him, there's a person in the Bible called Ahimeas. See him in Sa- Samuel 18 when the word of, had to be taken to the king that civil war had been ended in the in the, um, in the in the in the in a kingdom, and there was a runner needing to be chosen to take the message. Ahimeas said, "Pick me, pick me." Joab said, uh, you will not run this race, you will run in another race. And he said to the Ethiopian runner who'd been trained, take this news to the king that the king's son is dead. The Ethiopian ran and began to run, bowed and began to run. And said, no, I want to go, I want to go. And Joab said, why should you run, son? Because you have not news yet prepared within your heart. This is a special message, this is a message of a sensitive nature. And he said, whatever, I want to run. Now, Ahimeeus' name means eyes tight shut and son of anger. And sometimes we've got strong areas in our life, frustrating push, and God literally causes us to be tethered to situations, yoked to places, because he's going after those strong areas, those areas of drive within us. And Ahimeas said, I want to run. And Joab said, Okay, run. And I want to say this God help us if God says okay. You want to demand your mate? You want to demand your way. You want to God help us if he says, Okay, have it. Better the pain of discipline than the pain of regret. Amen. And the Bible says that Ahimeaz took off running, he outran the Ethiopian but he went the way of the plane. He took the easy way. He took the reckless way. He took a way that, 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 rest, that, that um, put the message in danger. He got there first. He got to the king, and the king said, there's, a, there's a two runners coming, and Himeaz, he's a, he's a good man. He had a good reputation. I want to say this. Good people can be too strong. The Bible says that when Himeaz got there, The king said, how is it? And he said, may all your enemies, you know, you've got victory. It's great, king. You've got the victory. And then the king said, what about my son Absalom? What about Absalom? And because Ahimeaz had not been fully prepared and under the pressure of a king receiving incredibly bad news that his son was dead, he didn't know how to bring it. And he said, oh, um, I heard a lot of noise, but I can't really tell you what's happening. And the king said, Stand aside. And I want to say this, God will entreat us privately before he starts to deal with us ever publicly. God will try and have us self-correctors, self-adjusting. That's the maturity that he wants to bring us into, that we will be self-correcting. You know, he, he, he resorts to, you know, areas where we are humble through humiliation, but he would rather we personally counsel with him. Amen? So the Bible says that Esther humbly submitted to the preparation process and I don't know what it is for others because he tailor makes it if you remember the two guys that came to Jesus and they said Jesus uh, well they sent their mother you know (laughs) Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross and fulfill his life's destiny mission and he's got these guys jostling for position send their mother that's the way to do it and she says can my sons sit one on the right and one on the left James and John. And uh, Jesus didn't say, oh, you prideful. You know, I know what you're up to. You're going to upset the team. He just said, look, it's not mine to give who's going to sit on the right and the left. But can you drink of the cup that I'm drinking of? And I want to say there is a preparational price tag. There's a cup of suffering. There are things that God will use to destroy that drive, that self-will. I don't mean destroy us in a painful way, but the Bible says a broken and a contrite heart. You know, that means a a person who is easily entreated, not pushy, not demanding, not grasping. And so the other thing was she was tested with the sweet herbs. And I want to say for every hundred men that can handle pressure, every hundred women that can handle tests and trials, you'll find one that can handle great wealth and prosperity. And what used to really make me sad when I was involved in pastoring is you'd see young ones get saved from drugs and terrible sad backgrounds and that God would make them whole and then they'd marry somebody and life would become so good and then they'd, they'd get good jobs and start building a house and then they'd get a bit too busy to come to church. And then they get blessed with kids and in fact it all just seems like a distant you know, past. They're getting on with life. I want to say, sometimes God will test you with the sweet things, amen? And so she went through that preparation. And lastly, I want us just to turn to Esther chapter 2. And the Bible says there, verse 17, verse 15, when the turn came for Esther, she'd been through the preparation. It says she requested nothing but what the king's eunuch, Haggai, which is a type of the Holy Spirit, advised her and Esther obtained favour in the sight of all who saw her. Now, this girl had tremendous self-control because I don't know about you, but if I got taken into Wallace Bishops, what have you got? Um, What are they called over here? The jewellery shops. Michael Hill, jewellers, Wallace Bishops, Tiffany's or something. Anyway, (laughs) If someone took me in there and said, now you're going to be presented to the king, just pick whatever you like or we have someone over here that is suggesting you wear just a solitaire pearl. <laughs> if you saw all those you know, jewels and things that you know, like. But she had such selflessness. She said, whatever you say, whatever you say. And so Haggai advised her how to present herself to the king. The Bible says that she went before the king. The Bible says there that the king loved Esther more than all the other women. And she obtained grace and favor. And he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. And the king made a great feast, the feast of Esther. For all his officials and servants, they came to the party and he gave gifts to many of them. I want to say this, three things God wants to... For us to ever fulfill our destiny, we need to know we're accepted, that we have the spirit of adoption, that deep in our heart we know we belong to him. Number two, we need to be ones who will embrace the preparation because Hebrews 12 said, if I can't discipline you, if I can't adjust you, if I can't correct you, then you really, I can't raise you as a son or daughter. You know, if, if, um, you know, if you're just there to do your own thing, and so we each in our hearts, we need to have a heart that says, Lord, whatever your preparation process, I, that I love the house of God. Lord, that, that, that I'm going to grow strong in the house of God. And number three, I believe God wants you and I to know that and for his purpose, relationship, you and I were created. We were created to be the bride of Christ. We were created to be the friend, lover and companion of God through all eternity. Amen? That he made you for himself. He made you and I for relationship and he wants to remove every, every old mindset, every old inferiority. I remember when my, uh, because my daughter, uh, Peter, had, uh, had, a, had a number of years before I first of all got saved and then came to know the Lord fully, she struggled with areas of self-worth. And I remember she came home from school in about grade 12 and because she was a very, she was a very sensitive girl, people misinterpreted it as her being a snob and she used to have a lot of cattiness and things just said about her that were just uncalled for and because she was sensitive and she would probably clam up a bit people thought that she she was you know not wanting to have anything to do with them but i remember she came home from school this this day in grade 12 and and um and uh, i had been visiting, involved in, uh, I was involved in lay pastoring in the church and, and so she she said, "Mom, you know, I just feel so down, can you please pray for me? Now I'd like to say that I rose up as a spiritual mother that I am, but I had been out visiting with people all day and I was kind of like really tired and I said, look Pete, let's go and have an ice cream, you know. <laughs> I used to have a, a, a saying that said, in my distress thou hast enlarged me, you know, like a, <laughs> go to the fridge <laughs> okay <laughs> let's go and get an ice cream and so um so we jumped into my car an old Tirana at the time anyway we're pulling out of the driveway and Peter said to me he said mom would you please pray for me I just feel so down and so I, I stopped the car of course <laughs> closed my eyes and I, I prayed I said Lord can you please give me something to encourage my daughter just in my heart I just reached out and and immediately the Lord showed me a picture of a beautiful ballerina. And she was up in a, in a ballerina studio and she was there by herself. And she was, um, you know, practising her, <laughs> that's about it, that's, that's a <laughs> it's about as much as my limbs will take me to now. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, she was looking out the window and it was a rainy day. She was looking on a playground full of young people. And, and, and I shared the picture that the Lord had given me and she just broke down and cried. And I said, darling, it doesn't seem like much good is coming from just honouring God and doing things the right way. But one day those very people that you would love to have as your friends will come and be blessed by the beauty of the Lord that's being prepared in your heart and in your life. And you know, years later, that was fulfilled and, and it's ongoing and her life has had ups and downs, but she came with me to North Queensland, and we, and we did a women's camp together. And she prophesied over many, many women, sung over them in the Lord. And just recently, she she went and uh, spoke at a home group, and she said, "Mom, I just my heart broke." She said, "I could, I could, I could just sense the girls that had been bound by eating disorders. I could sense those were bound with, you know, rejection, because she knew what those things were like." And um, God will take everything and turn it around for good. About uh, about four days after I'd prayed with my daughter in the car, we had a visiting speaker from the states, a prophetess called Cynthia Alexander, and she um, had an altar call for all those young women or people who wanted to or were involved in worship. And my daughter went out, and as she's praying down, uh, she came to my daughter and she laid hands on her and she said, "I just see you like a beautiful ballerina." I'm sitting at the back of the church going, I'm so glad that was you, God. (laughs) I want to say this. God wants to make all things beautiful in its time and season. Amen? He wants to release the spirit of adoption whereby you cry, Abba, dear Father. He wants you to understand the things that you're going through are all for good. That he is preparing you for what he has prepared for you. And when the time came and Esther was presented, the Bible said, he loved her and he threw such a party. It was called the Feast of Esther. And I want you to know tonight, God wants to celebrate your life in a new way. If you've never had someone throw a party for you, if maybe maybe you've had a bit of a background like me where I think I was about 11 when we stopped really celebrating Christmas. I remember I was 11, I got a doll, a little black-haired doll. Can't remember getting anything else after that. Or well, birthdays and and, uh, and my... School things were never celebrated. The one time my mother came to swimming training because I love swimming. And I said, Mum, I'm going to show you how I can swim all these lengths of the pool. And she came and she sat down and just as I jumped in and was was swimming, the parish priest came along and sat down and talked to her. (laughs) And every time I'd go past, (gasps) they're still talking. Another lap, (gasps) still talking. (laughs) But you know what? God wants you to know that he is celebrating your life and he wants to make up for every time you weren't celebrated, you weren't, you didn't feel special. Don't think he was happy with those things that happened to you. But he wants you to know tonight the spirit of adoption, the preparation process is because he loves you. When my daughter takes Lily or Mia aside and smacks them or disciplines them, it's because she loves them. I was telling... Um, joy today that uh, we were taking the girls out and my daughter had Lily's hand who's five and I had Mia who's three and we were crossing a very busy road and she was pulling away and I said, Mia, see those big cars, they'll squash you, do not let go of Nana's hand. And I gripped it real tight and she pointed up me with the other hand and she said, big cars squash you, Nana. <laughs> Whoa, It was because of those cars. She's pulling. We don't know. Sometimes we're pulling. We want our own way. Does anyone here see the movie Lake House? Okay. Well, for those of you that haven't, I'm going to totally spoil it. and I'm going to close in a minute. But the Lake House is a a story about a a two-dimensional time thing. And there's future and there's the past. And um, I want to say this. Your life and mine does not have a rewind button. But at the beginning of the movie, something tragic happens. And then you trace it back through the different things that are happening. And the woman gets a message to the man in his letterbox. And it says, when you come to this point in the road, stop. Do not cross the road. And I want to say, God wants to put a stop. Wait for my will. Wait for my way. Wait for all I want to do in your life. Amen? So tonight, I want to say this. We're going to be speaking about ruling and reigning, breakthrough in our lives, but we need to have a foundation, number one, that we loved, that you wanted, and that the preparation process people have been going through has been because God has something great prepared for each one and ongoing and ongoing. doesn't matter what age or stage. Can we just stand right now? Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Tonight, I want to say this. You and I will not get to our destiny until we have a great sense of being loved, that we're wanted. That God chose you, planned for you in love before the foundation of the world. That the things that you've been going through, God will work everything for good. He'll work all things for good. And he's preparing you for what he has prepared for you. And just for a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here tonight, you may have been invited by a friend. Young people, older people, I want to say this. It is given unto men and women once to die and after that the judgment. The one thing that you and I will be asked is what have we done with the salvation of Jesus Christ when he invited you to become a child of God, that your sins would be washed away. I want to say this, sin can never enter heaven. It would destroy it. The only thing that washes away sin is the precious blood of Jesus the way it is, received, is washed, the way we're washed clean is by receiving him. John 1.12 says, as many as received him, he gave the power to become a child of God. Tonight, it's by an act of your will. It's not cheap, but it's free. I remember hearing about the story of a plane that went down in America on the east coast and 144 people on that plane, and they found one little girl. It had to crash land on a highway. They found a little girl, about four years old, wandering down the highway. They thought she must have come from one of the cars. As they read through the flight list, they found that she was actually on the plane. And as they went back through the black box and ascertained what had happened, they thought this is what happened. As the plane began to crash and break up and burn, the mother unbuckled her seatbelt. And she knelt down in front of her daughter. And she wrapped her arms and her whole body around that child. Come hell or high water, she didn't let go. And she became a human shield. I want to say this, Jesus Christ became a human shield for you. He wrapped his body around that cross and he said, Devil, take your best shot. Whatever was meant for them, I'll take it. Whatever was meant for her, I'll take it. And he took that suffering in his body that you could receive the free gift of salvation. So tonight, there's no one looking around. If if you've not received Jesus or you would like to reaffirm your commitment to him or if you died tonight and you're not sure where you would go and you want to just make peace with God, then I want you just to slip up your hand until I see it and then put it down again. Just slip up your hand. That's how you're indicating, God bless you. See that hand. Anyone else? Just slip up your hand until I see it. And then, God bless you, I see that hand. Anyone else tonight? You say, I want to I give my life to Jesus. I want to reconfirm my trust in the Lord. Don't put it off. September 11th, they thought they had the rest of their life. We live in an uncertain world. Slip up your hand right now, if that's you. You want to say, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, I want to reaffirm my faith in you. Hallelujah. Okay, with everyone looking forward tonight, first of all, first of all, I want all the young people, 25 and under, very quickly, just to come and stand in the front here. Hallelujah. Well, um, Maybe if you're 26, still come. That's okay. I want you to just slip out of your seats right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Just move up here this end so there's room for others to fit. Just just, just move. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Just keep, keep, that's it. Keep coming. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is awesome, isn't it? So many young people in the house of God. There's people here tonight that would love to have been your age and to know God the way you guys do and to have the opportunity for when preparation and opportunity come together, the door of destiny will open. Preparation and opportunity will come together. And so I want you just to lift your hands right now and, and I want to just pray. and Just stretch your hands towards these young people. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I spoke about adoption and I spoke about, you know, the bride. But tonight, I just want to just give an, give an altar call and I'm not going to prolong it. But if you're here tonight and you, and you want to say, Lord, I, I, I want to say a yes and amen afresh to your preparation process. If you want to just re- reaffirm, God, you can have access to any area in my life. There's no holes barred. Nothing is off limits. Lord God, and maybe there's to some, there's an area maybe you need to repent of. Repentance is good. Say, Lord, forgive me where I reacted. I heard someone pray a prayer or read someone pray a prayer that said, Lord, change me and make me like Jesus. And when I react, please don't listen. When I say take the pressure off, don't listen. Make me like Jesus. And, you know, tonight I believe that God wants to release a grace And I believe this, as Esther was hastily and quickly brought through her time of preparation, there's some things that God's going to be the Alpha and the Omega in. And I hear him say this, I'm going to finish some things. I'm going to sign off on a season. Some of you have been in a preparation period for a considerable period of time. And he wants you to enter into the joy of a new season. So if you're here tonight, you say, Lord, I just want to commit afresh to the hand of God. I want to commit afresh to your preparation process. That's not saying you haven't been, but I believe as we connect with a wholehearted, passionate zeal, it says, God, break me, because sometimes we've sung that song, haven't we? Break me, melt me, mould me, use me. You know, it sounds so romantic, doesn't it? (laughs) Break me, me Ah, ah, what are you doing? didn't you just sing break me oh. <laughs> I want to say this God is going to promote many says so you run with the footman get ready to ride with the horseman get ready to go to a new level so if that's you tonight I just want to open the altar and uh, I'm not going to prolong it probably just take a few minutes and then release you to come back tomorrow and I believe God is going to release great keys of breakthrough great keys of victory in our life. So, just as we begin to sing a worship song, let's just stand. And if that's you tonight, you say, Lord, I just want to wholeheartedly embrace you in the midst of the process. You know how we passionately connect with the process will determine us walking in the purposes of God. God wants to open up the door of destiny. With preparation, An opportunity come together. The door of destiny opens. So if that's you tonight. Just just come and this is an altar of consecration. Amen. The oil of myrrh was all about consecration. It's all about sacrifice. It's all about having a heart to serve. Having a heart for the house of God. Having a 100%, 24-7 heart towards walking with the Lord. Hallelujah just worship him.